Girl, he reads from these journals he kept when he was a principal. Uncut and uncensored. Putting all his business in the street. The podcast, Ruthless Equity. The name, Ken Williams. It's June 21st, and I am at the Clayton County Public Schools Leadership Institute. We're in South Georgia at beautiful Callaway Gardens, and I've brought plenty of work to do. In many ways, I still feel like an outsider, and I know that some of this is by choice. I'm on a mission, and as a result, I've been very tunnel-visioned. Due to many blessings and great focus and support, I've been provided all the tools necessary to look into and explore the possibility of being a part-time leadership consultant. This work, fresh off the Professional Learning Communities Institute I attended, is awesome. I've received several email correspondences from Rick DeFore, and true to his word, he sent me Michael Fullen's manuscript, Beyond Turnaround Leadership. It's a 165-page book yet to be published. And he gave it to me so I could revamp my article and fortify it with research. It's amazing the number of tricks the mind can play on you at times. I'm afraid of the potential inside of me due to the opportunities and resources set before me. Hey, listen, I have revamped my professional development offerings. You can find them at unfoldthesoul.com. Touch the speaking tab. I've got two new offerings. The first is the three-hour virtual PD experience with me. And then the second is the in-person PD experience. Notice I don't call these presentations or workshops because I don't know. No, but I do know. I've gotten to a point in my career. One, my confidence is at an all-time high. I know equity like no one else. I know how to make it practical, tangible, meaningful. I know I could turn those states around who have foolishly banned equity from uh, any of their policies. I can help districts that have policies around equity, but they're spinning in circles, having conversations that don't lead to any kind of improvement in student learning. I can move your district from PLC light to PLC right, because I explain PLCs like no one else. I simplify it. It's authentic. I can take all those moving parts that are swirling around you, all the moving parts and make them make sense. If you are interested in Advancing your mission of learning for all, advancing your mission of equity, excellence, and achievement for all students, regardless of background. If you're a fan of ruthless equity and um, want to move your staff or district forward with it, get at a brother now. Go to my site, go to my page, unfoldthesoul.com. It reminds me of, it reminds me of that book I read. It's called, uh, uh, reminds me of of nothing 
nothing. And I got 950,000, 1,100 books behind me right now on this shelf. And some of them are great, but none of them are like Ruthless Equity. Ruthless Equity is a book like no other, explains equity like no other, speaks to you like no other, the coach on your shoulder, the guide on your side to move you from rhetoric to results regarding your journey with equity. Pick up a copy of Ruthless Equity at Amazon.com. If you are a fan, you've read it, take a minute, please, and leave a review on Amazon.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Now, back to the podcast. All right, baby, let's get into it. I don't know how many of you pay attention to what I say about the upcoming episode, but if you do pay attention, then you've already noticed that this ain't the episode I said was coming up, and that's because I made a mistake and skipped this short entry, and so the what's coming up next week is going to remain the same as it was last week because that episode's coming up next week, but we into this one this week, baby, and I want to hit on just a couple of things with this one, like two different areas. The first one is about engagement. I don't know if you noticed, but uh, I talked about going to the, you know, CCPS leadership retreat. And as you can imagine, you know there was a full agenda, but what did I say? I brought plenty of work with me. Like I was walking in there planning to get a bunch of shit done. And the reason I bring that up is, you know, I've been doing this work working with schools and districts uh, a long time and you know it, it takes some time it takes some years it takes lots of experience but there's a point where you just find your footing baby and I don't want to sound I don't know everything trust me I don't but in terms of my zone and my voice and my passion areas I'm like at this point my shit is bulletproof man it, it really is it really is. And I can just read and see things coming a mile away. Stuff that used to trip me up back in the day. And, and here's one of those scenarios. I love it when I go to these districts. And often there's an, uh, what I call like unofficial spokespeople. You know? And I find this more at the high school level than any place else. But they, they exist at the middle and elementary level too. You know, that staff member that feels compelled to speak for everyone and... and and let the uh, consultant in on what they don't know because they're not there every day and what they're going through. And I, I know this person because two different people can ask the same question and they're coming from two different places, right? So in a nutshell, I get one person asking about how to motivate students who are unmotivated. Well, I can tell you a lot of the time that I get that question, the, pe the person really didn't want the answer. They just want me to know that their population and demographic of students is unmotivated, apathetic, doesn't want to do it. You know, they give me the old, you know what, kids, 
can learn when they want to learn. And kids have to bring something to the table and want to learn. And blah, 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 blah. And then there are those folks who I can just tell just by their energy and sometimes their tone that they are really working to make a breakthrough with students or a student, but just haven't found the key. And they're like sincerely asking for strategy. But more times than not, nah. Folks ain't asking for no damn strategy. They just want me to know. You know, how do you motivate kids who apps all the time? How do you blah, 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 kids who come in and are apathetic and don't want to do the work? And, you know, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to act like I still remember all my Harry Wong shit that I did when I was a teacher. I mean, I know some things in, in, intuitively, instinctively, but I don't pretend that, you know, I don't pretend that I was in the classroom just five years ago and, and stuff is still fresh. Plus, that really what, that's not really what they're after. They just want me to know that you don't know what's going on here and this shit you hear talking, uh, it sounds good, but doesn't apply to this district with these kids from this area, from this demographic and this population. You know how I respond to those things these days? Here's how I respond. I respond assuming that the same person from that journal entry is walking in that day. So I tell <laughs> I tell my audiences, look, and this is this applies to on-site, what I call on-site work. That means when I'm working in your school or district, for the most part. Um, not conference work. Like conference work, like you're choosing to be there. It's usually off-site. More times than not, it's a decent area. Blah, 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 blah. I'm talking about when I come on the campus. And you had to do sub plans and turn the whole schedule upside down. Here's what I ask adults. I say, I tell them up front, look, believe it or not, I've been a long time since I've been in the classroom. But adults are my classroom these days. And it's the truth. You know, educators, leaders at all levels. And I safely assume so the last place I had like 200 people in the room that out of the 200 people in this room 193 of you didn't want to damn be here today that you considered taking the day off or then some of you brought a bunch of work with you to do today a bunch of work like you plan to catch up on emails you telling folk look I'm not going to answer your email from Monday to Thursday because we got PD with Kim Williams on Friday I'm going to answer all the emails then because I'm going to have 6 hours 4 hours 5 hours to answer emails and get caught up I tell them that and you know what I've never had an educator push back because they know it's damn true. And I know it's true. I went to that leadership conference with a, and they had a full agenda. But I assumed I was going to be able to get some work done. I just assumed it. I assumed that there were going to be some boring ass presenters, uh, that some of the stuff wouldn't be relevant. Uh, I'm going to sit strategically in the room and put somebody, uh, a man of larger carriage in front of me to block my view so I can get some work done. And I tell folks today, I assume the same thing about you. And I get it all the time. You know, the, <laughs> do you know one of the most frequent compliments I get is after I'm done, you know, people coming up, it's the old, man, I was really pissed when they said I had to be here today. Or man, I almost called off. Or man, I was really angry when I walked in. Or, man, I almost didn't come today. And it's usually uh, attached to like a mild apology. Like, I'm sorry, but and I was like, no, don't be sorry. I understand it. I'm the same way. Like, I, 
you know my wife's like a rule follower so she is like she's the person you want there man I mean she's gonna go there with the best of intentions and pay attention and sit up front she didn't bring any extra work I'm bringing all the work because I'm assuming it's not gonna be good and I know that going in and I know that 90% of my audience wishes they were somewhere else at the beginning of our time together I know this going in and it places me at a crossroad right it places me at a crossroad either I can ride that wave and get through the three or four hours or however long I'm going to be there and just deal with it right and 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 you know not impact the temperature of the room but kind of just ride the energy out and then talk about your ass afterwards that's what I would do I would then call a colleague and talk about well damn you know in, in so and so district you know they were just apathetic apathetic because here's another thing 90% of the time when we're doing on site PD it's not like I walk in a room people are like oh my god I cannot wait to answer questions I can't wait to raise my hand and participate I can't wait to you know it's it's uh it's just incredible how then I'll talk with teachers who want to give up on kids because they don't come in wanting to learn well I'm telling you educators you don't come in wanting to learn more times I know there's some exceptions you don't need to write me and put me in your blog I get it by and large though by and large most educators can think of 10 other things they'd rather be doing at the beginning of the day now I know this going in and therefore I plan for it like I plan for it. I plan to combat it. I plan to get over that hump. Because listen, whereas a lot of the times you could look at a kid and then point to their neighborhood or the side of town they're from or what they dress like or what they look like, you guys bypass all that shit. Like you come in looking good. You come in with your spirit wear on and still apathetic as hell. If I just left you to your own devices. If I left you to your own devices. And you know what? I would contribute to it because I'd probably be monotone and boring and not relevant and lecturing the whole time and sit and get and all the stuff. But I I don't have I don't even have a deficit mindset. And I know I'm walking in when I walk into a room that the the odds are stacked against me. I'm not starting at zero. I'm starting at negative twelve. I got to get you to zero and then take you up from there. And I know this going in. And as educators, we know this about a lot of the kids we serve. And instead of taking them from that negative 12 up to zero, where we're even again, and then onward and upward, we just meet them at negative 12, talk about negative 12, put all the negative 12 on them, make it all about them, make it all about what they're not doing, what they're not bringing to the table. I wish I could tell you the last time. Now, every once in a while, like I'll, I'll get a staff that'll read my book and then have me on campus, and it's, it's a different type of energy. But by and large, she, by and large, I would say 75% of on-site work I do, and I do a lot of work. I walk in, and you're not giving nothing up front. Polite, civil, maybe a smile here and there. But you're not giving it up. 
I got to earn it. You see, students have to be there by law, but I, but I, we don't have a right to their engagement. We have to earn it. By contract, you've got to be at this professional learning session. But you definitely walk in like, you're going to earn my engagement. You, like, you're going to earn my enthusiasm. You're going to earn my participation. You're going to earn my, you know, my, my, my output. You make presenters earn it. And I'm only speaking for me. And I'm good at this shit. I'm really good at it. But I walk in with an attitude like, I know you don't want to see me today. Therefore, I got to make sure that I hit you quick with why this is going to be relevant. Why my multimodalities are going to be engaging. Why I, you know, infuse sense of humor. Why I keep it real, you know. But if I treated you, adult learners, like we often talk about students, I would be uh, both well compensated and miserable. This shit would be miserable. It would be miserable. And I'm going to tell you, I don't have bad PD. That doesn't mean everybody walks out happy because you know I'm a, I'm you know you know you know how I give it up. I'm I'm going I'm going to shake it up a little bit. But I don't have bad PD days. I have days where I got to work a little harder with the audience than other audiences. Like when it's a room full of principals, my you know one of my favorite audiences because you know the principal has such insane impact on anything happening school wide. But principals together in a room, man, oh my god, like I you know they they make you work and I'm and I'm cool with it, and I get them. But I don't get them effortlessly. I get them through planning. I already know, right? If if if, if I base my whole, the success of my career on the 25% of, of events where I walk in and people are just already kind of charged up and ready to go, that'd be horrible. I wouldn't do this for long. But I see it as my personal challenge to connect with you, to make this work relevant, to give you something you've not heard before, to be provocative, to get you thinking and talking. To get you considering. To disrupt that status quo. In ways that are supportive. To coach you. And to speak it into you. And so I'm done with all this. But the kid's not motivated. Because I'm working with adults. Who don't come in motivated. Well they don't come in motivated for me. They come in motivated wanting to do other stuff. Much like kids right. Much like students. They come in motivated to do other stuff. But I don't settle for that. And I own it. So when students are not motivated or apathetic, own it. And I don't mean own it in a blame shifting sense, because if you got a halfway toxic culture that I'm walking into or you got a funky ass attitude uh, when I walk in, that's not my fault. I didn't cause that, but I own it because that's my space. And I also own it because when I own it, I can do something about it. See, if all I do is point to you and your stuff and your attitude, then I'm giving away all the power and I become a victim and I become a charity worker and then I'm just trying to get through slides. But I don't ever operate like that. I own it. If you're in a bad mood, I remember like one of the most challenging PD days I had was in, I think it was Akron Public Schools. Man, I showed up to work with a middle school that day 
and they found out that very morning that their school was closing. That very morning, their school was closing. That might have been the most challenging PD day I've ever had, aside from the one time I got lost for two hours in the middle of Canada. Anyway, that was a really challenging day. I mean, because it was heavy on content and, you know, it turned out to basically be like bootleg therapy sessions. But even on that day where an excuse for a low ebb of energy was gift wrapped for me, when the excuse of, you know, why it was okay if folks came in sullen or melancholy or angry was gift wrapped for me. I wouldn't accept it. Like I I still owned it. I still owned it. And you've got to do the same. I don't want to hear about kids who got to bring something to the table because I'm because again, educators don't bring a whole lot to the table when it comes to PD. You come in with a deficit mindset. You don't think it's going to be good, and that may be based on your history. I'm guilty of it as well. I'm guilty of it as well. I went to that leadership retreat with all sorts of shit to do. But I tell you what, you know, in my early days with, um, you know, PLCs and going to the PLC conference, I didn't take much work there, you know, because I I just I just got to know. I mean, Rick DeFore just had me from from day one. And um, and I want to get into, you know, his mentorship and and what it means for for me and what it means for you. But I'm going to say it one more time. What engages you as a learner? That's what I think about when I walk into a room. And, you know, the energy that the, the, the audience gives off just tells me how hard I'm going to have to work that day. But I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you every time. You know, I refuse to give in to attitude and affect. And I was the same way as a teacher. And I hope you take this and understand that we have a responsibility. It's a partnership. Educators don't walk in and say, hey, you know what? Here's all of my uh, engagement and you have full access to it. You know, (laughs) do great things with it, Ken. Hell no. Are you kidding me? That's just, uh... anyway, I hope with that rambling, you took something from it. Very quickly, the second part of this, I'm not going to keep you too much longer is uh, just about this question. Like who saw more in you than you saw in yourself? And I maintain that we can all identify people, hopefully during like, every decade of our lives. For me, thinking about that time and Rick DeFore and by extension, Becky DeFore and Dr. Bob Aker making time just I I'm looking at the article I wrote it's on my wall for the journal staff development I mean I think that's they, they've changed their name now and the article I wrote about Michael Fullen's book and Rick DeForce said like I first of all I couldn't believe that I was holding like a PDF of a book of Michael Fullen's who was a like a, a a thought leader titan along with Rick DeFore in my hands that Rick gave me and entrusted me to write a book review that would be published in this national magazine, a journal of staff development. I'm a, okay, hashtag vulnerable moment coming. I, 
I fought to shake off imposter complex for almost a decade, seven or eight years doing this stuff. And I'm talking to doing it like at the feet of Rick DeFore. I mean, you know, many of us that worked together at that time, I mean, Rick was, Rick was damn near my kids' godparents. I mean, we had them on speed dial, been to their home, stayed at their home. Like, they're friends of ours. It's, this man is pouring into me and still, you know, I have this voice in my head telling me that, you know, you ain't shit. And as soon as they find out about your black ass, you're going to be out of here, you know? And this is happening while I'm having positive impacts on audiences and, you know, making a difference through, you know, representing him and Dr. Bob's work out there. And I just had this just constant nagging, like they're gonna find out about you. Just wait till they pull the curtain back and just find out that you're just full of shit and you're out of here. And and the thing was, I wasn't full of shit and I was doing good work and, and making a positive difference, but I had these internal, what I call gremlins, just, uh, you, know, you know, committing acts of self-sabotage. And, um, you know, for me, I guess it was a, a, a combination of well, good therapy and really searching to find my voice. And one of the things I'm, I'm forever grateful for, you know, my relationship with uh, Rick and Becky, God rest their souls, and Dr. Bob Aker, is that they allowed me to use their voice until I found my own. And um, I got to a point where, you know, I realized that I wasn't a piece of shit and um, I found a voice that allowed me to stand even more firmly in the work and I was able to shake off that imposter complex I mean you have to know how crazy it feels to count people like uh, Mike Matos and Anthony Muhammad, Luis Cruz and Paula Maker and you know Jeannie Spiller, I, mean, I can go on and on, Janelle Keating like uh, you know Sarah Schull and Jimmy Casas and you know Joe Sanfilippo and uh, you know it's you know Garth Larson you know it just I Baruti Kafele I I know these I know these heavy hitters and I've got them all on speed dial and and call them friend and to still you know feel like you're less than and one of the things that helped aside from you know like I said you know working on myself was the fact that. People like Rick and many whom I've just mentioned continue to just speak it into me. They saw more of me than I saw in myself. And they persisted until I opened my eyes and saw the same thing they saw. And the thing is, that's universal practice, right? So I'm talking about myself as an adult, but this happens at every stage of our life. At every stage of our life. And this happens with students. And you got to stop doing logical math. Stop doing logical math, adding up their high water pants and, you know, uh, uh, ill-fitting clothes and the side of town they're from. That's all logical math. But this is mission-driven work. And mission-driven work means 2 plus 2 plus 2 equals 20. Right? You got to see past it. And that's what those people have done for me. That's what they do for me. That's what so many of us do for kids. Stop doing the math. I don't want to hear about your Title I 
neighborhood anymore. I want to hear about that shit. I don't want to hear about your demographic. All I want to hear is that you're focused on unlocking the brilliance inside of every student, that you see them as people that they feel seen, valued, and heard, and that you hold a crown above their head. You challenge them to go tall enough to wear because of the talent around you. I mean, that's the only reason I'm here. It's the only reason I'm here on this Tuesday evening recording this podcast that's probably gone on too long. It's, uh, you got to speak it into them. And it happens at every level. I'm in my 50s and it still happens today. I've got people in my life who just see more than I see and challenge me to make that stuff happen. And because they're influencers, I feel compelled to not let them down. And we have to do the same with kids. This shit is not logic. I don't want to hear about your data that adds up to them being low. Stop it. Stop it. I mean, I, you know, I was passionate about PLCs, but hell, there's no way. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. You got to speak it into them. I don't. I don't know how. I don't know how else to say it. You got to speak it into them and into each other really you know one of the things I will say that we got to do a better job at and I'll talk about in another episode as well is we got to get out of this deficit mindset we're always doing subtraction first Rick's just Rick must have seen some just raw talent and stuff he could work with um, and you know help mold and shape it until I until I figure things out myself but the people who see more in you than you see in yourself, they don't do subtraction like we do in schools, you know, where we just look at a student and right away, what side of town they're from, minus one. No daddy at home, another two minuses. You know, that that's what we do. And the last thing I'll say is this. I know I'm all over the place. It's probably because I didn't get good sleep last night. We got to stop doing subtraction, man. Our deficit models have spilled over into a deficit mindset. And we're, I'm recording this in the middle of the NCAA tournament that people lose their freaking minds over, especially on the first Thursday and Friday. And you know what? I'm going to create a video soon. You know what it's going to say? It's going to say, the NCAA tournament is successful because they will not let educators in to do pep talks. Thank God. Educators not allowed in to do pep talks. What would you think? The reason people love Thursday and Friday of NCAA is because we live for upsets early on. So you got the 16th ranked team playing the number one ranked team. Like that's their price of admission. You 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 just slipped in by the skin of your teeth. You got to pay the number one team to keep going. Suppose there was like a hidden camera in the room and we got to like watch the coach give the pep talk to the number 16 team, the 16th ranked team. And can you imagine that coach saying, well, you know, the Arizona team, you know, they're bigger, they're faster. I mean, of their five starters, three are going to the NBA next year. They got so much more money, so much more endowment. They're the nicest state. You know, we a Title I school in a little urban area with student athletes. Guys who are never going to make it to the NBA just in here working hard. We scrappy, small. I mean, we don't. Of, the, of our 10 players, only three on scholarship. The rest, right, we just bootstrapping this thing. I mean, I mean, guys, you think we should even go out there? I mean, because we really don't have a shot. 
all the odds are stacked against us. They have so many more resources. That's if we if we heard a coach say that, man, that coach would be run out of town. Run out of town. On skates. But if we let some educators in there to give that pep talk, that's what we would sound like. Because that's what we do with schools. That's what we do with schools. I work with principals, man, and it's like, you know, hey, you know, so here's the expectation. Well, don't compare me to that school across town because they got this and they got that and they get the new books and all that bullshit. You know what coaches do? You know what they, we do in the NCAA tournament? We watch, we sit up and watch all those 1,100 games because they defy the data. And then we go back to school on Monday and defend the damn data. It's time to defy the data. That's what mission-driven work is about. That's what ruthless, ruthless equity is about. I'm not about to get into a whole new subject because it's one of the longer podcasts I have, but I think it's really good. Plus, I'm a little bit punch drunk because I haven't slept a lot. Here's what I want you to remember. Students have to be here there by law, but you don't have a right to their engagement. Earn it, and they don't need to bring anything first. They just bring their asses to school. That's it. And if they're not in school, find out why. Find out why. And then own it. I don't want to hear any more BS about students got to bring something to the table unless until you start bringing something to the table because I've been doing PD for 15 years y'all don't bring shit to the table I got to go get it I got to reach inside you and pull it out and when I do it's brilliance it's beautiful it keeps me going it's my life's work it's all I want to do I wake up every day and get to do what I love every day but it ain't because I walk into a room and teachers and leaders are just like can't we just ready to learn hell no so don't cast those aspersions on kids because when I hear that, I know it's a cop-out. And I'm going to check you when I hear it. I love you. And remember to always start with the crown, not with the kid. episode of the ruthless equity school leadership podcast all i'm gonna say is this next one gonna be meaty baby take the long way to work get yourself a good breakfast because i wrote an email that almost had me lose my whole damn job you've been listening to the ruthless equity school leadership podcast with ken williams for more information about ken visit ruthlessequity.com